Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family, I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, enjoy the show. Out. Boom. Hey, what's up, you guys? Byron Rogers here. And I've got Ed Caldrone, man. It's an honor to have you here with us, brother. Uh, it's an honor, honor to be on here, man. Uh, been following you for a long time and, you know, very appreciate the uh, the invitation. Outstanding, man. And likewise, likewise, I've been following your stuff as well. Uh, straight up real world stuff, dude. Like, like I'll be like scrolling through my Instagram and then I'll see something you'll post. It's like aggressive and like raw. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> and like, you know, it brings me back a little bit, which I appreciate, you know. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there, so props, man. Yeah, I mean, it gets me into trouble every now and then. You know, I get ghost banned, and yeah. you know, people complain. But uh, no, I think it's uh, I think it's needed in our day and age to kind of provide some honesty out there about what's happening. Heck yeah, no, I agree one hundred percent. Especially with all the like razzle dazzle going on online and on Instagram and all that trash too. Like, really, really, man. So. Uh, nah, that's what's up. That's, that's one of the main reasons I was like, dude, if I can get this guy on, we can hang out. That'd be cool. So, um, yeah. So for everyone listening, uh, Ed Caldrone, this is just like a quick bio. Uh, I'll let him go kind of more in depth with it. But, um, for over a decade, Ed Caldrone has worked in the field of counter narcotics, organized crime and investigations and public safety in the northern border region of Mexico. During this period, he also coordinated um, and worked executive protection details for high-level government officials and visiting dignitaries, uh, often in some of the most dangerous parts of the country. So uh, that's who I've got here, man. Um, and kind of, I, I remember my sister-in-law wanted to take a vacation Actually, she did her marriage down in Mexico. So I remember pulling a threat assessment on the country. <laughs> and I was like, are you serious? You really got to go here right now. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big country and it's very varied. Uh, yeah, yeah. Safety wise, some places are, you know, some places are Mad Max level. Uh, yeah. Some other, some others are pretty, pretty calm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's an interesting place to say, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, man. I was kind of, I, and I heard some, I mean, this is just people talking, but it was some areas of, of Mexico were supposedly as dangerous as, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, uh, yeah. I, when I, when I was working, uh, the operations group I was part of, uh, was, uh, our, our life insurance was provided by MetLife, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and uh, according to some of their agents, we had a, you know, it was one of the most dangerous places on the planet, if yeah. not the most dangerous place on the planet to be a police officer at that time. Right. Yeah. So it, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty insane. Yeah, man. No. And that's what I remember hearing too. Like <laughs> that's exact corroborates with what I, I remember hearing. Um, just to give you guys some perspective too. Well, and then you, so you've developed what's called the ads, ads manifesto, right? Yeah. Well, yeah it's Break a, it down for me, man. What is it exactly? I, uh, I'm blessed. Uh, I was blessed by having a, a, a very wonderful mother uh, that uh, pushed me to always, uh, always try and learn new things. Um, okay. And uh we had a, a strict uh, no television in other any other language but English mm. policy at the house when I was growing up. So I got my English by watching TV mostly and uh, movies and stuff like that. My mom was very instrumental in me learning English and not just knowing how to speak it, understand it, but having you know good conversational English. So when it came time to training, uh, uh, when I went into work for the government. Uh, the fact that I was bilingual was very, you know, basically any sort of training in the, on the U S uh, on the U S side or American trainers coming over to, tr to teach us something. I was always at, at the front of the line because I, they need translators or they need somebody there to, you know, handle everything um, language wise. So as I was going through all that uh, training, uh, like I went to several parts in the U S to train uh, with Americans uh, I always carry around a small uh, moleskin notebook where I, you know, I, anything interesting I would write down, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the guys that, uh, some of the guys that were, you know, part of the, you know, the cadre training us would kind of laugh at me and say, you know what, what are you writing in your little manifesto, basically? <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, that manifesto basically turned into a notebook that, you know, later on, uh, when, when I got, uh, you know, when I got named instructor, uh, for some of the regional academies and I had to, and then I got to, you know, give back to some of the new, new newer generations coming into the, uh, the, the forces I would base most of the stuff that I would show them on, on these notebooks and, and, and video collection and, and picture collection that I had for myself. And, you know, everybody would, you know, jokingly call it the, you know, Ed's manifesto, right? Like a, like a, some sort of, uh, you know, terrorist, uh, program of some sort. Right. Yeah. And, uh, eventually, you know, uh, I got, I got started uh, teaching the public, not just, you know, not just government forces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, when I, when it came time to, uh, you know, make a social media, you know, uh, profile, which my first one was on, um, on, uh, Tumblr, just the name, just Ed's manifesto was the first thing that popped into my mind. So, yeah, that was what went up. That's what's up, man. I'm, that is what's up. Okay, that is a cool little story. So, like, everyone's kind of cracking a joke, but it turned into a real thing. It's got momentum. You know, you have a following. It's it's demonstrating value on a on a regular basis. Uh, so that's what's up. Heck yeah, you get you're getting the last laugh at least for now, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so definitely. Just to give you guys some perspective, a little bit about um, the state of Mexico. Uh, with regards to human trafficking. Um, in an article published in the Latin Times, Mexico experienced a 245% increase in kidnappings between 2003 
to 2013. To put hard numbers on that, uh, in 2003, an average of 34 people were released from kidnappings each month. That was released. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in 2009, um, that number was up to 96 per month by 2013 that number was at 1162 people released per month you know that yeah that's boom (laughs) well uh and an interesting thing about those numbers is yeah a lot of stuff doesn't get reported Right. I'd imagine uh, a lot of stuff doesn't get reported and a lot of cases are just, you know, left, you know, as unknown because Mexico, and this is something I've talked to a lot of people about this Mexican criminal organizations have gotten uh, body disposal down to a science. So if they want somebody to disappear off the face of the planet, Mexico is uh, Mexico's criminal organizations they they know how to do that right uh so it's like the numbers are you know could be could be anything right um wow and usually some of those numbers are also put out by the government and you know uh you know yeah. so uh, but yeah definitely abductions for ransom uh and abductions amongst uh you know between rival criminal groups uh, in mexico or you know everyday everyday thing down down there and uh I mean that the, 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 that amount of uh, of people disappearing, you know. Yeah. Definitely, definitely causes something in the uh, in the culture, you know, yeah. uh, as far as a response. Yeah, I could only imagine. Um, I mean, we'll get into more specific questions about that as we as we go on. But geez, man, that's intense. Uh, so, a little bit. I, I believe there was a documentary about a gentleman who trained you, uh, Lieutenant Colonel. Lazola, I'm not yeah. sure if I'm saying his name correctly. Yeah, yeah, um, well, yeah Lieutenant Colonel Lazola. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's his uh, that's his name. Yeah. yeah, man. So, how did he impact you? Uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lazola was he's one of those you know once in a lifetime type figures that that comes along and and uh, you know I, I think uh, some in some way, shape, or form, usually environments like the one we we were living in uh, back back then you know, usually produces, you know, people that yeah. uh, are needed, right? Yeah. But Lieutenant Colonel Lizola was, uh, was, you know, he's, he's a, f- a former military uh, officer. Uh, all the, all the right training, you know, uh, yeah. he was, he was one of those lead from the front type guys. And um, we were going through some horrible, horrible stuff, uh, specifically in my hometown of mm-hmm. Tijuana. And, and uh, by this time, he got named uh, uh, director of the police in, 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 in that part of the in, in that part of the country. And I was fortunate enough to have known him from my time in the academy, where he was a director. Okay. You know, kind of went up the ranks. Yeah. And when, you know, when he saw me out there, he asked, "Like, uh, who here is unmarried?" Like a few a few hands would raise up in the room, right? And who here doesn't have any kids, you know, and less and less hands would raise up. Who's ready to die? <laughs> well, you know, you, you, I didn't think about it that way till I was in the car with him, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, one of the first, you know, actually the first uh, close protection jobs I've ever did was for him when he was named director, right? 
uh, he said, you know, I only have, I only have one rule, you know, just, uh, stick with me, you know, uh, whatever happens, happens, just stick with me, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just uh, keep me safe. And I was like, okay. Uh, obviously my train, my training as far as, uh, guarding somebody of that nature yeah. in a war zone yeah. was not where it needed to be. So I had to do a lot of learning on the fly. Yeah. Um, but uh got into a car with him and basically we went out and he would uh he would actually take part in most of the uh high level operations uh, he would just you know drive uh, walk. yeah he would walk behind the uh you know the assault team like we would we would do we would basically be part of most of the high level operations uh in the region and he would just basically be there supervising everything everything directly so that was pretty insane that was a pretty wow. insane life experience um wow. Uh, but he, you know, if you ask anybody from uh, Tijuana, they will say like, he was, our, he was, our, he was our Batman. You know, he, he fixed things at a very deep level. He had a, uh, after, after some time with him, I had to, you know, he sent me off to do other things. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, uh, he's still, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, last, last count we did, he had 12 attempts on his life. One of them was uh, very close, and he they took uh, they took the use of his legs, uh, and he he's currently very involved in politics. He says, "Well, if I can't beat him with bullets, I'll beat him with words." So I think he's he's, he's making a run for the uh, the the mayorship of uh, Tijuana right now. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm I'm actually behind him politically. I'm helping him out politically right now. Outstanding. Uh, but yeah, he's he's still at it. He's still kicking. Man. <laughs> As like a man's man. I love hearing stories about men like that, that are doing things like that, that are fearless like that. Um, I think it's beautiful. And I think our world needs to know more about men like that. Like they need more archetypes. The, the, the real man. Uh, yeah. the, the, I've never met anybody like him before, before or since mm-hmm. conviction. You know, he was, he was one of those guys that would wake up and uh, it's always, he always had a book with him would be driving around and he would ask me random random things about random, random knowledge stuff. random <laughs> knowledge about any of like any anything you know yeah he uh, would give me a gorilla a gorilla warfare uh, manuals out of nowhere and said like read up on this i'm gonna quiz you tomorrow about it and i was like okay yeah. right so stuff like that you know and uh he was a, he's, he's a man of the people you know he, mm-hmm. he, would, he would he would he would uh you know he would talk to the the uh, the the guy on the street corner selling newspapers to the uh, government the governor uh, within the span of a few hours, mm-hmm. and you know he would have you know he would always know what was going on because he had you know he's the one that uh, said this uh, phrase that I, every now and then I quote uh, you know keep friends in low places you know low places can mean a lot of things to a lot of people but you know keep friends in low pl- places. And, you know, <laughs> Uh, he, he, he's a, he's something, man. That's awesome, man. And I bet he was probably a respectful dude, a respectful, loving guy too. Yeah. Yeah. Family first. Yeah. Very, very conservative in his, in his, uh, you know, in his, in his his personal life and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but when, when, when it called, when, when called upon, I would not want any, (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't want that guy as an enemy, man. Any part of <laughs> any battle. No, he would say you know, people, people, people on the other side, you know, bad guy side would yeah. say that he was biblical and <laughs> right? he was biblical. 
That's outstanding. I think that's it, man. Masculinity really, I don't think it's so much about toughness. I think it's more about being able to really have that character, you know, like, like what you're describing, man, just like knowing how to love, knowing how to bring the hate when it's time, knowing how to bring accountability when it's time, you know, uh, learning, you know, yeah, I, I think that's good stuff, man. It's that's the character. That's good stuff, man. So you were protecting him for a while. Uh, what was it like protecting such a HVI man? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in the, the first thing I kind of realized is that everybody assumed that I knew things that I didn't know. Right. Mm. So first off, I have this uh, VIP that doesn't want to sit in the back. No, uh, <laughs> you know. Because, you know, culture in Mexico is what it is. So if you're yeah. not going to sit in the back, you're going to sit in the front. And I got tasked uh, with, uh, you know, making a convoy for this uh, 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 three three to four car package hmm. to start. And I got an armored vehicle. And um, I had to basically educate myself on armored vehicles uh, in the span of a week uh, to know exactly what I was, uh, you know, getting into. Yeah. You know, uh, what is a run flat? Does anybody here in the region know how to f- change a run flat tire? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is my battery is my battery armored? Uh, do I need to have the uh, extra tire on the top of the car? Do I have to have it on the bottom of the car? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, does it have an internal uh, air? Or if if I throw some you know tear gas out on the outside, will it filter in the inside? Yeah. Um, all, all these things were things that I had to educate myself on. Uh, and uh, slowly but surely, you know, I had to, you know, it, 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 in a lot of ways, he pushed me into, you know, I, he pushed me into, I didn't want to let him down. Right. Yeah, so, that's good stuff. Even if you don't, even if you, if, <laughs> even if you don't know, you have to look like you do. Yo, that, yep. <laughs> Right. So, you know, uh, you know, so I had to really kind of educate myself on some of that stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. but the amazing thing about that time is that we had a lot of relationship with, uh, with some American, uh, military individuals mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, got, got a lot of training. I, I, a lot of the training that I got specifically on, uh, on that type of, uh, you know, operation, you know, protecting somebody of that level, uh, was from uh, NSW guys that were coming back from Iraq uh, and Afghanistan. So, you know, I got a lot of training from Israelis and, and some some training from uh, some former, um, you know, uh, Secret Service uh, agents. But I don't think any of it resonated with me more than some of the, the stuff that I learned from these guys who were coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq mm-hmm. because they were coming from a war zone. And uh, back then where I was... <laughs> Yeah. Was zone, right. Right. So some of the, some of the overt uh, military style uh, executive protection stuff that I learned from some of these people, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that was what resonated a lot with me. And that's what I kind of, you know, started uh, implementing on my side. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. That's what's up. I think there's something special. Like it's one thing to go to a course. There's one thing to, to like uh, take in information that's given to you, but I think there's something really special about uh, teaching yourself trash, you know, really special yeah. about going to seek information. Like you soak it up and, and knowing you have to learn this trash. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you soak uh, it up different. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's an image I get in my mind when you talk about it as far as, you know, me sitting in the floor of a tire shop in, in, in Rosarito, 
Yeah. Uh, with a laptop open and a video of a guy showing you how to change a run flat uh, rim on a tire. Oh man. <laughs> Translating what I was seeing to a technical guy there and just, yeah. you know, and basically going there each weekend because I needed a guy that knew how to do this on call if we had to change the tire. Yeah. So basically, it was me educating this guy and <laughs> translating, and everybody would look at me like, "What the what's wrong with this guy?" You know? Yeah, yeah. And then you know, seeing seeing armored vehicles kind of blow the industry that deals with armored vehicles kind of grow mm-hmm. during that time, and seeing that guy coming over to me uh, like a. Uh, on Christmas oh wow years after and hugging me saying what you taught me made me the most sought after yes <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I, I put my kid through college man thank you right no. like, dude I was like wow I should man I should have taken that you know I shouldn't learn to oh. myself went into that <laughs> that's yeah. huge bro that's so cool how that came full circle though man that's huge that's yeah I mean but it's funny, you know, th- those environments produce, you know, new markets, new needs. Yeah. And if you're not, you know, if you're not open to the idea of learning about stuff like that and you're just, you know, sitting back and just waiting for somebody, your boss to tell you, you're going to have to go to this course to learn how to do this or do that. I mean, people, people, I had people like that in my life that I worked with. Yeah. It would just, you know, they would sit back and say, well, eventually they'll send us to a course to learn how to do this or that. Yeah. I was restless, man. I, I mean, I think it's yeah part survival instinct part mm. I love doing this stuff and you know part you know just if, if, I, if I have a day where I didn't learn anything new you know that's not, not a good day for me yo bro I'm right there with you man and it, it builds a certain muscle in you you know like there's like this figure it out muscle yeah you know I mean like when I talk to certain people they're like I don't know how to do that and then they just freeze like and I'm like yo so we're going to figure it out now. You know I mean? like, what do you mean you don't know how to do this? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're lucky they gave you this much trash to get it done with. Because where I'm from, like, I mean, the Marine Corps or even where I grew up in the Bahamas is a third world country. Yo, you better go outside and figure out how to get it done. You know what I mean? Um, and Definitely. then you start to build this self-reliance and this, like, different type of fluid intelligence where it's like, yo, we got to get this done. You look around. And you know inside of you, you possess the type of intelligence to figure it out. So you just calm down and figure it out. <laughs> you know, um, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that I, that I, uh, that I, you know, do, especially in classes where I show people, you know, a little bit about self-reliance and how to make things and modify things. You know, there's a lot of people out there that want to buy solutions, right? Yeah. They want to, want to go to a store and buy off the rack solution for something and just, you know, I'm safe now because I bought this. Like up there. Yeah. Or I, mean, I usually call them amulets, you know, people want to buy the latest and greatest amulet to protect them. Right. Right. So, right. You know, having a, having a gun doesn't make you armed just like having a plane doesn't make you a pilot. So if you don't know how to use it, you don't know how to make it, you know, are you going to know how to use it when you need to? That's, you know, that's yeah. always been my thing. And I, I like, I like pushing people to, to get creative with solutions and, you know, find weird different ways of making things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, that's always been my thing. I, and it's pretty much my upbringing. Yeah. Uh, down in Mexico, down in Mexico, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no Amazon yet, you know, <laughs> no eBay. Uh, we had to source things, find things, use things, procure things. You know, we would go into a cartel safe house with the one, you know, plate carrier and come up with two, 
you know, that was the thing. Right. You know? Right. We had to, we, that's, that, that, that's how we had to do the stuff down there. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's a great mindset to have, you know, always trying to figure things out. Um, and, and, and don't take, uh, you know, don't take, uh, don't take somebody else's word for anything, you know, make your own mind up. Yeah, man. No, that's the truth. That's, that's true. Trust, but verify, you know, as the saying goes, man. So what, what got you into this? Why are you in this game doing what you're doing now? Uh, as a, as a many, many in my former life would say, I don't know how to do anything else. I should have gone to school. I got, I got, uh, you know, I got out of that uh, type of work uh, at a very you know, specific time, you know, politics mm-hmm. down there are changing uh, in Mexico, they're changing constantly. Uh, it's turning into a very leftist uh, type country right now. So that's mm-hmm. kind of making things a bit weird uh, for work mm-hmm. down there. And it's just a very, it was just a very, you know, thankless job without an end. Yeah. Uh, no happy ending in that type of job. Uh, I've been doing, I had been doing private training and, and, and showing some of the stuff that I learned uh, to military in the U S and in Mexico and, and doing uh, training for, you know, corporate type training for people and stuff like that for about two to two to three years uh, when I was still active. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I left the job, it was just, you know, it was there. It was, it was, uh, you know, the job opportunities were, were, were already open for me uh, to do this type of training. And, you know, um, for some reason, you know, it, uh, the need for this type of stuff, I think has been, you know, uh, going up, you know, uh, yeah. people, people, people that, uh, travel a lot, uh, some of the, uh, some of the things Mexico is ex- exporting into the United States as far as, you know, criminal modus and, and some of our <laughs> criminals are, are, are kind of mm. making their home in the U S now. And, uh, their tactics are tactics are getting implemented by groups in Texas. I've seen cartel violence in, in Chicago, mm. Jersey, you know, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird time. Uh, it's a weird time as far as what's, uh, what my experience base brought me and what I learned from working in Mexico is now relevant in the United States, sadly. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a lot of the stuff that surprises some people in the U S as are things that I saw, six, seven years ago, eight years ago down in Mexico. So I don't know. I mean, uh, why am I doing it? I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I put, I put a lot of effort into learning how to do this type of stuff and experience, you know, which is mm-hmm. a bitch of a teacher. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I think, uh, I think there's a, definitely a need out there right now. So mm-hmm. I'm feeling some sort of need, um, yeah. for the moment. Yeah, no, I dig it, man. That just sounds like you were doing it and it's kind of made the most sense. Like it just kind of like happened almost like, yeah, it it made the most sense. And then you're probably kind of good at like what you're doing. You are good at what you're doing. And then, you know, you find a rhythm with it, man. You know, I've, uh, I've, I've tried to remain active. So I Mm -hmm. do a lot of volunteer work Mm -hmm. uh, with some groups that I, you know, to myself, yeah. uh, but I'm still, I'm still working, uh, you know, traffic, uh, child trafficking, uh, yeah. stuff and, um, and a few other things for some, some, uh, some, uh, some groups out there. Um, mm-hmm. so I keep myself, you know, sharp for that. 
And, um, again, uh, I just can't stand, I can't stand still myself. Right. I always need to do, be able to doing something. And I, I dig it, man. I'm the same way. Like gotta keep running water, never grows stale is the way they say it. But like, I think when you start, stop moving, you start dying, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so if you were going to sum up your, this is, this is tough. <laughs> this question's kind of, kind of complicated, but if you were going to say there was one really big quintessential rule thing you learned during your time, uh, you know, active time, uh, in Mexico, what would that have been? I mean, it can be a principle, it can be anything, but if there was one thing that like, you're like, yo, you got like training day, new guy sitting next to you and he's about to like, you know, roll out line of departure. And you're like, Hey, what would it be? Oh God, man. Uh, so huge. I know you got to time travel for that answer, but I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me that specific question, especially, especially yeah. when, you know, Mexico, I think, uh, yeah working law enforcement in Mexico is such an alien concept to most people. Uh-huh. And like why? Well, they, they probably watched narcos and they probably watched, you know, Sicario. Yeah. Yeah. I love Sicario, bro. Hey, what do you think about Sicario? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know where they got the idea from that for that, uh, MP5 toting, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just putting it out there. They probably got some, you know, maybe, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that the, the, just name another Mexican that was, uh, you know, online with an MP5, you know, rocking down in Mexico. My right? man. You know, I don't know. You know, he's putting it out there. Um, so good. It's a nice, nice movie, but they could use better technical consultants and, you know, huh? I'm free if they want, you know, cigar <laughs> and treat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, number one lesson that I think I, uh, I learned down there, uh, was under promise over deliver, uh, okay. when it came time to work my ass off, uh, to not talk about anything just, but to do, you know, mm. uh, to be, people would say people, uh, one of the things I always got, well, not yelled at because all of my instructors were former military or yeah. current military down so there. You're going to get some anyways. <laughs> Uh, solutions, not problems would get screamed at centimeters from my face with some spit added to it. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So I, learned, I learned quickly to look for solutions, not problems. And I learned quickly to under to under promise and over deliver. You know, basically yeah. not, not talk out of my ass, but do, you know, show us, show us, don't tell us is like a motto we used to have, uh, you know, and we still have, uh, and with the people I work with. Mm. Um, so that basically that, you know, just be about it instead of talking about it. That's probably the main lesson that kind of pushed me forward during all that time. Heck yeah. No, that's a good principle to live by, man. Uh, in anything that we do, man, it's funny how these principles, they transition real easy, you know, from the battlefield, from EP straight over into real life, into business or whatever we're up to, man, even in relationships, like it's all, I see it all as combat, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I get, I get, uh, you know, conflict definitely produces a very specific type of mindset and in an individual that you can't learn from a book. No, you can't get it out of out of a classroom, you know, hardship, you know, that, mm-hmm. that type of hardship and, and, and conflict, you know, it's, uh, it's not, it's not romanticizing it. I never do that. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody should go off and do, 
to some war somewhere. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but the people that do go through that, uh, that type of fire, um, usually come out the other end, uh, you know, with a very specific mindset that I, I don't think that you can buy. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you know, conflicts happen, uh, different conflicts happen in different generations. And sometimes there's like a, you always see this, you know, sometimes you we would see this with some of the new guys coming in that didn't kind of go through some of the shit that we went through. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You, know, you would look at these guys and he was like, look at that fucker over there. Sweet, sweet. Look at this guy with the, uh, with his, uh, you know, with his, uh, you know, with his back lights untaped up, you know? Yeah. 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 It's being nasty over here. <laughs> We would, we would tape up the backlights of our cars. So, you know, so we would, you know, sneak around in our cars at night, you know, doing shit. Yeah. And the new guys wouldn't do that because it was outside of protocol, you know? And yeah. he was like, hmm, this guy, these guys have never done stuff. <laughs> right. You know, you know, uh, good times, you know, you know, it's true, man. Good times, you know, hard, <laughs> hard, hard, hard men produce good times and good times produce, you know, other type of men. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Good times produce soft men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they really do, man. Unfortunately, and yeah. America's just losing all vestiges of masculinity right now at the present moment, in my opinion. It breaks my heart, man. But in my opinion, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. And that same thing happened to me. I got to the fleet. My boys just, my big brothers had just got back from Fallujah. And I'm looking at these guys like, yo, how come everybody looks so trashy like no one cares about their uniforms i just got out of boot camp i don't know left from right yet right so i'm looking at these guys hard sociopathic uncle sam's misguided children these dudes were psycho like i I get to the barracks all you can hear is rock music on blast rap music on blast country music on blast uh porn and video games on blast <laughs> and dudes are just running around fighting on the catwalk. No one's got all their clothes on, like just dudes with no shirts on dudes are working out. And dude, like, it was like, I, I just realized I was like, I'm in like juvie slash like, <laughs> this is legal. We, <laughs> we kill people with government. Like we go to countries and they unleash us on places. Uh, and that's when it yeah. got real in the first, like within my first hour there, one dude grabs me, yanks me in the bathroom. He's like, takes off his blouse. He's like, you see this? And all he had was like a bone, you know, cause all his muscle tissue been ripped off. He's like, you know, you better listen to everybody here. And if you don't listen, you know, you can end up like this. And like, it just got real, real, real quick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was like, and my first night in the fleet, the guy who came in with me, he just got broke off. They injured him within 72 hours and he was out of the Marine Corps, you know, like I've, you know, by the grace of God held up. Uh, but I get to see those generational gaps. And then I went to combat and then I came back and I saw these, the new, like sweet, fresh, fluffy dudes that got sent, you know, and I was like, you know, we got to make men out of them before we went back over. And yeah, it was all good. But yeah, yeah. That, 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 that experience, you know, again, my fight was completely different. Right. And I, m- most of my, you know, when I moved up in here, up to, up to the U to the U S yeah. Um, and you know, I, my, my first two years in the U S was near Pendleton. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, so you're that's ruining everything. <laughs> and most, most of my close friends, uh, my American close friends were, 
for some reason, you know, uh, nature just sent me a bunch of Marines over. Right. Yeah. And, and some of the people that I used to work with, you know, liaison with most of those guys were Marines. So, uh, every now and then we you know, get and get, get around the campfire and start, you know, telling our war stories, you know? Yeah. And, man. and you see some of the younger guys that haven't, you know, it, it, being an instructor, you get some of the younger guys that, you know, approach you and, you know, ask you questions because they're, they're, they're looking for their fight. Mm-hmm. They are. Some of the younger guys are looking for their fight and they want to go in and they want to do, and I have no idea what their fight is going to be. You know, yeah. and they ask me questions about, you know, they're going to get one. Yeah. Or if they're going to get one, you know, honor of getting one, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was, we always, uh, you know, end up in the same weird place where my fight was, against people that spoke my same language, went to the same churches, uh, around the places where I grew up. And, uh, and I visit my family every now and then in the same places I used to have had that conflict, you know, so it's a different, it's a different war. Yeah. Um, very different war. And so in that regard, some of these young guys that want to go into the military and ask me questions about, you know, I want to serve my country and stuff like that. It's like, if my body would allow me, I would go into the into the service myself, you know, mm-hmm. well, I, I'm just all sorts of effed up in my, you know, yeah, I'm 30, and I'm 36 now. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if, if the country could use me in other ways, I, I'm all about it. But, you know, some of these kids are looking for their flight and, you know, just looking at the horizon. I have no idea what their conflict is going to be like. Yeah, man. No, that's, that's real. And it's interesting. I think, I think that saying like real recognize real, I think it's real, man. Like being kind of a uh, combatant, you know, I think that like, I find myself in the company of other combatants as well. Um, Even with regards to like predators, you know, I feel like there's just certain pedigrees of humans that we just recognize each other (laughs) and we end up, you know, I think one of the most valuable tools for executive protection is noticing who else is watching. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, cause that's how you re- you know, being an apex predator, like you realize who the other predators are real quick and you just, you just feel it. Like, I mean, I'm in Israel. I meet some of these guys. I look in their eyes. They look like that scene. It's so cliche, but to me it's real. The scene in 12 good men when the, um, when the uh, Afghanistan, not Sheik, but the head Afghanistan guy um, is looking at the whole platoon and he's like, and he won't talk to the main character and he's like, killer eyes. <laughs> he's like, you don't have killer eyes yet. But he looks at his homie next to him. He's like, this guy's got killer eyes, you know? <laughs> and uh, I've definitely had that experience. I don't know if they call it the thousand yard stare or, or what, but I just feel like real recognized real is probably why you're around a bunch of combat Marines all the time. <laughs> all the time you know well uh I, I recently had a uh we do have this weird you know uh group of friends of that i belong to you know yeah um, you all of the them are, sense of humor and everything right yeah uh we have this running joke that the, the reason we're not we don't live all in the same town is because you know because shit would probably blow up and burn or something right <laughs> right yeah so we're gonna spread out all over the country and um Every now and then we have the, uh, every Christmas we have, uh, we exchange, you know, gifts, you know, mm-hmm. it has to be something, you know, something very personal. Mm-hmm. And I got a, uh, a combat knife, uh, that went through some, some stuff. 
okay. on a vest of uh, one of my brothers, uh, a Marine. Yeah. And, you know, so looking at this blade that came basically for me, yeah. from my Mexican beaner eyes, <laughs> this thing came from a fight on Mars, basically, you know, this yeah. from the moon. It's a wow. space knife <laughs> used uh, to, to fight aliens on another planet because yeah. I, I, again, it's completely unknown to me that that experience over there was, it was completely unknown to me, but I've been learning about it through their eyes and their experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty cool seeing, you know, getting that. And I was like, Oh, this was, this was uh, with me during, you know, this operation and this operation. And, you know, it's been places on, wow, thank you. Uh, and he said, what, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to wear it whenever I, you know, whenever I get to meet my daughter's boyfriends in a few, in a few years. Right. And have that on my, well, some sort of mojo is going to be on it. Right. So I'm going to yeah. wear that on my belt. You know? Hell yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, man. That's good stuff. So that's deep stuff. That's man stuff. Executive protection, do's and don'ts in Mexico. Wow. Like, yo. I mean, because people be going over there thinking it's all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's another uh, app, you know. I've 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 worked, I've worked uh, privately with some uh, executive protection groups mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, now for the past two years. There's a yeah. lot of stuff that people just you know take for granted. Number one, finding a quality executive protection company in Mexico yeah. is hard. It's not easy. <laughs> It's not easy. And I get that. And some people I've seen some gringos come down in Mexico and just, Hey, I'm running with this company. You do realize they have a bogus carry license with them. And the, if you get rolled up by the army, all of you are going to jail. <laughs> all of you. It's like, are you really? Everybody. Uh, did you ask them for, did you ask him for copies of their uh, collective uh, carry license? Uh, what's a collective carry license? <laughs> but, he, but, but he said he was former military. Did you ask him for his ID? And uh, I don't even know what that would look like. Well, I mean, I could, I could tell you, you know, yeah, but I would have to charge you a consulting fee. But, <laughs> right. You know, but uh, I think number one is do yeah. your homework, mm. do your homework before you fucking get out the door in Mexico. Yeah. Trust. No fucking one <laughs> straight up trust, trust no one and i do mean trust no one verify everything yeah you know, uh, if you want to if you want a legit solid reputation uh report on a company mm-hmm. ask another company about the other company yeah and ask three companies about the other company usually somewhere in the lines of asking the opinions of three other companies that are doing the same thing you'll find some truth within that you know like a sense of truth yeah you can do it all over the you can do it on the phone Mm -hmm. uh uh, know what documents look like you know know what a carry license looks like you know somebody saying that they have the ability to carry firearms in mexico is something that's very common but there's a lot of fakes out there providing a lot of fake paperwork and doing armed security for some high level people. And I do mean high level. I've seen some very high level Americans and companies in Mexico moving with illegal security armed with illegal weapons that if they were to be rolled up by the military and asked for the documentation, 
they would be going off to federal Mexican prison for, for, for those weapons. Right. So, you know, again, everybody client, client, everything, like everyone in the motorcade, if, if they would detain everybody in a vehicle, they would, they would be, they would be detained, you know? Yeah, I'm talking about catastrophic failure. Dude, dude uh, I, I, I know enough about this type of job because I did yeah. it for a while. I actually, I actually worked uh, as I, I worked managing the security of the governor of Baja and his family for four years. Mm. And that security detail was probably one of the most high level ones in Mexico next to the president and next to the uh the our version of the vice president right mm-hmm. it was that it was that high level because he was the president's right hand man right yeah, so it was a pretty high level and i got to learn the ins and out of operating a detail in mexico yeah i, I got to learn how to go through airports you know the mm-hmm. firearm licenses, you know uh, the military how to deal with the military because they're the ones that are in charge of supervising firearms licenses and if you're going to go in transit with firearms you know um how to you know who to trust companies to hire all that type of stuff i got to learn uh just working working uh in that detail number one you know trust but verify thing and don't trust anybody uh the best investment you can have in mexico is having a good solid trustworthy contact that you can verify Mm -hmm. now when i say verify uh, hey, I know some guy, you know, I, I know some vato down in Baja. He's pretty good. You know, he, he can tell you, he can show you around. That doesn't mean shit. Uh, documentation. <laughs> documentation. No? I, could, I, could, I could show you my documentation. You know, it's not, there's no such, there's no such thing as top secret in Mexico, number one. <laughs> yeah, there's anybody, another one. Message. <laughs> nobody, nobody, there's a lot of people out there, like, you know, you know what, I was part of, you know, whatever group out there and I can't share my paperwork because it's top secret. Bullshit. <laughs> if, if you want, if you, if you are a comp, uh, an EP company and you want to yeah. hire me as a consultant or as a guide or as a fixer or as whatever, I'll show you my paperwork. <laughs> right. Why wouldn't I show you my paperwork? I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to make money like this. Exactly. My paperwork isn't that common. You know, I have uh, certifications from both the U S and Mexico. I'm bilingual. I have my service record and it's cool. And I have a, uh, you know, I have my uh, confidence testing from the government, which mean that during my time active, I wasn't on the take, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have all that stuff and why wouldn't you show it? There's a lot of people down here that, uh, you know, are very sketchy. And when they get, then when they get offered jobs, uh, of the, of the, of the nature that I'm speaking about, mm-hmm. they get off. Oh, I can't show you my paperwork. The reason why they can't show you your paperwork is because they're full of shit <laughs> or they don't have it. You know, they don't have it. Those are the only two reasons that exist. There's no top no, secret no. in Mexico guys. <laughs> there's no fucking, su- there's no such thing, man. Yeah. No uh, you know, verify trusting people, you know, having good, reliable sources. There are companies in Mexico that do executive protection that are very high level that I trust with my life and my family's life. Mm. Uh, but they're few and far between. And I know it's like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to kind of find these people out there, but there definitely are some out there. Mm-hmm. Learn how to differentiate 
the authority figures in the environment in Mexico. Okay. Uh, a municipal police federal. officer, a state police officer, a federal police officer, all wear the same color uniform. Dang it. <laughs> I was just hoping. <laughs> Jeez. How, how are you going to tell them apart, right? Yeah. The, the firearms, uh, their firearms, you can tell people uh, uh, levels uh, with the firearms they're carrying. Okay. Uh, if you learn how to speak, read Spanish, you can, you can tell by what's written on their trucks. <clears throat> okay. Uh, uh, the, the emblems they wear are different. So you know, kind of educating yourself and your team on how to tell, on how to tell these, these people apart, you know, yeah. why would that be important? Depending on the level of person that is in front of you, the trust level should raise or lower. I wouldn't trust anybody myself, mm. but if you're in a rural part of Mexico with some sort of advanced team of any kind, yeah, and you run into a municipal police officer, and there's no town around, <laughs> yeah, they are they are not supposed to be there, and they're not supposed to be stopping you. Mm -hmm. That's a state or federal level thing happening there. Yeah. So now you know things are weird. You know, mm -hmm. so you, know, you can gauge the situation. Yeah. Also. A uh, good, a good guy, a good guy in Mexico that knows his his work uh -huh. will actually call the local federal police office and let them know that they're going to be moving in the area and have a presence there if they're going to be moving in more than one vehicle just to keep you know safe and not be confused with cartel activity. Yeah. Right? So you know, there's 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 lots of things that you know that you have to educate yourself on. Uh, before you go into a country like Mexico, you know, not all hospitals have an emergency room in Mexico. It's a few and far between. Mm. Uh, blood isn't, we don't have blood banks in Mexico as commonly as you have in the U S. So okay. better have a blood, better have a blood bag guy on your team. If you don't know what that is, better <laughs> learn, son. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> Being able, being able to navigate or negotiate your way in and out of air, an airport is a very, very specific skill set, yeah. private and otherwise, you know, uh, knowing how to, how to identify a quality over a subpar armored vehicle that sometimes gets uh, rented out to you as a quality vehicle. Yo. And then you walk around it and you're like, do you want <laughs> this shit yourself in your garage? Dude? Your, yeah. Did you guys just make this up? Yeah. You like tape these, you know, glue these, these. Yeah. Boards here. yeah you're going to, you're going to put your Life. high level client on inside of a, what's like, I had a, uh, a Range Rover on a, a 2004 range up armored Range Rover. Yeah. That felt like you were driving you know, a boat. Basically. Uh, it felt like you were driving a boat. Just, right. Back the, suspension and just, and the suspension was just awful, you know, uh -huh. seeing the VIP. I didn't, I, it wasn't my, you know, uh, it wasn't my gig. You know, I was just hired on as a guide, mm -hmm. but I could see the VIP in the rear view mirror. You know, you could see his <laughs> eye. Twitching, you know? I could yeah, see that. Man. Yeah. He was not happy. Jeez. So you know, uh, Mexico is one of those places, you know, all, all places are, uh, the, uh, the advanced work you have to do in Mexico is, you know, golden, man. If you can have contacts on the ground, trustworthy contacts on the ground, it's one of those places, man, where they're essential. Uh, learn how to read paperwork, you know, have contacts that can show you what paperwork is. Um, sometimes a bottle of tequila can get you shit. Yeah. You know? Sometimes uh, a Leatherman multi-tool can get you information or, you know, okay. work for people.
So, yeah. you know, have things with you that you can barter or, you know, give away. That makes people happy. Like you know? on hand, per, like on, on hand. hand. On hand. You know, uh, I used to buy these, uh, big, I used to buy these big packets of uh, Duracell flashlights, you know, lead ones uh, at Costco in San Diego. Uh-huh. And just have those with me, you know, and, you know, you could pay people with those depending awesome. on where you are. Just carry yeah. them pocket take it out of your pocket like it looks like it's yours mm-hmm. and just, it's a very personal gift to somebody here here you go man you know i'll make you a friend some places yeah and, man and just realizing that mexico is a place where you pay your way through shit okay you know? so bribery <laughs> is a thing is that, but it's like a skill set it's not you know it's like a, it's like something you gotta it's an honor you gotta embrace it i i i, I can't you know speak to where Mm-hmm. but I showed some people that are very high level guys. I mean, yeah. when I, say high level, I mean, these guys are ninjas, right? Yeah. I, they, they, uh, they asked me to show them some, some very specific thing. And I was like going through my mind, like, what are they going to ask me to show them? You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. notes. I spent three days with them showing them how to bribery works in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> That's specifically what I showed him, right? Just three oh, days of social engineering and bribery. You know, that's. I mean, that's huge if it can get you in and out, get you privileged information, keep you out of trouble. You know, checkpoints, uh, checkpoints. Uh, you know, just knowing how to not overpay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, um, twenty twenty dollars can get you out of a DUI in some places in Mexico, and a thousand dollars can get you out of manslaughter. Woo. So. So if you know, if you know how, when, yeah, where, no. yeah. you know, it's, it, it is definitely a skill set. I'm not saying you should do that, you know, right. Uh, without knowing what you're doing. Uh, but just realize, you know, there's a reason why I call Mexico the upside down. People kind of get a kick out of that uh-huh. you know? because what applies in the U S doesn't apply in Mexico necessarily. And mm-hmm. if you, if you, you can travel with a lot of things, yeah. you can travel with your luggage, you can travel with your, you know, clothes uh you can travel with a lot of things but you can't travel with your moral compass and your legal system right you have to you have you have to adjust it yeah what's possible here in the u.s might not be possible there in mexico so or elsewhere in the world for that matter you know you have to adjust things and you know just talking to somebody about bribery they've never done it before in their life and it's something that i grew up with so I know how to do it. Yeah. But you know, it's unnatural for some people and it's something that people just don't even think about. That's huge. There's so much there, bro. That's such good gouge, man. Um, with regards to personal protection, if you're going to say there are three components um, that, or just some components that someone should uh, focus on that's traveling. I mean, you talked about kind of executive protection considerations, but for a civilian, you know, hard targeting considerations. Yeah. I mean, you, you can, uh, we live in a golden age of uh, internet and Google. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you might not be able to have an advanced team go and go ahead of your travel uh, schedule and yeah. you know, check everything out. <clears throat> but you can do it yourself. If, yeah. you have, if you have the mental discipline to do an advanced job for yourself when you're traveling, what hotel am I going to go uh, yep. to uh, look up any sort of news events around that hotel? Mm-hmm. Right. Any violent activity in the in the town that I'm going to be in, just look that up. 
right? Yeah. And start writing down commonalities, uh, commonalities of the trucks that people are using to abduct people in this area. Mm, it's always okay. trucks. King cab trucks with uh, king, cab, king cab trucks and SUVs are the ones that are commonly used in this area. Why is that? Okay. Right. Oh, okay. So now you have a commonality and now you know what to look out for, you know? Yeah. Now it's, it's, it's okay to be, it's okay to be paranoid as long as that paranoia is educated, you know, right, be educated right. about what you're paranoid about. You yeah. can be paranoid about everything and just look, look at that car over there. It could be a taxi. It could be a motorbike. Mm. It could be a Colombian type of attack. <laughs> going to shoot me on the back of the motorbike. But wait, mm. wait, none of that is common in this area. It's always trucks. It's always these type of kings. So, so you basically yeah. you kind of, or you, you, you educate yourself about what you need to be afraid of or what you need to be yeah. paranoid about, right? So you can do that by doing a quick Google search about the area you're going you're gonna to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know how to speak that language, keywords, abduction, mm-hmm. uh, crime, uh, assault, uh, in the language you're going to travel in, right? So let's say example, Spanish, abduction, is sec- uh, abduction sequestro. Um, derogatory terms towards Americans in the region wow. you travel into. Uh, gringo, huero, uh, americano, whatever. Yeah. You're know, just looking for, for the derogatory terms. So those are indicators in an environment where you hear that, you know. Yeah. You hear somebody say that, you know, you know, you know maybe maybe somebody's going to orientating themselves towards you. Um, yeah. Learn what the cops look like in the region, you know. Mm-hmm that cop over there is carrying around a, you know, a pearl, pearl handled 45 ACP. Okay. That doesn't make sense because that pistol is not standard issue in any part yeah. of Mexico. Yeah. So yeah. You know that, that guy's off, you know, you educate yourself and, you know, and you can do that through Google, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you want to be a, you know, I don't, I don't like the term gray man, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to, you're not, not stand out specifically in regions, mm-hmm. you can do a quick Google street view of the environment you're going to travel into and write down every time you see a certain color and just, uh, dress, we dress exactly like the most common color you see on Google street view in the area. Hmm. Right? You, you want to have a lot of friendly locals in Mexico city, hmm. uh, find out what the, the local sports team is specifically the soccer team. Man. And you're going to be so fucking well liked in that environment. Golly. <laughs> and when just learn, learn about the, the past two or three games they had. Yeah. And you're going to be so well liked, man. Better than a packet of cigarettes. Yeah. Wow. No. Bro. So, I mean, I've done a lot of traveling in my EP career. I've been, I stopped counting at 60 some countries. And like the stuff you're talking about right now, bro. Like if I had the IQ on some of this, the stuff that you're talking about right now, bro. Oh, I mean, it's huge. You were talking about like social dynamics, gaining rapport, being able to like instantly make friends. These skills can save your freaking life. Yeah. Save their, your life. They'll make your job a hundred times easier. You're interfacing with your hotel. You guys like the same soccer team or whatever. You know, the, the, the hotel, you know, uh, your concierge is probably going to be a way cooler to you. Like the things you're talking about, knowing what to look for. Yeah. Being on, on edge, but how much more effective are you going to be if you're on edge looking for the right pre-thread indicators, the right target indicators, the right clusters of behavior to understand the dialect. When you hear two people having a conversation, you're like, 
you know, you're reading body language as best you can, but if you, if they hit one or two buzzwords, Hey, that's another, that's something else to throw into your cluster of, yo, are we about to have to need to just get out of here right now? <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, yeah. uh, people, well, again, I don't like the term gray man myself. Yeah. I always, I always say, why, not? why don't you like the gray man term? Because it, it, it indicates that you are a passive observer and I don't like being passive, you know, that's what's up. I don't like being passive. Yeah. Uh, usually the people that survive in those environments are players, not fucking scenery, right? Get the, scenery gets, <laughs> the scenery gets shot up and the players are the ones that fucking make it out, right? Yeah, um, make the moves. The, the, uh, we, ha- we had a term that was kind of, you know, used for some of the terms that uh, Gray Man gets used for. Yeah. In Tijuana, we have uh, painted donkeys that they paint up to look like zebras, right? <laughs> Right. So yeah. we would call it the uh, Tijuana zebra mentality. So what the Tijuana zebra mentality, yeah. uh, a donkey painted like a zebra would get looked at and gawked at in any other part of the world other than Tijuana. <laughs> One of those can be walking down the street. Nobody fucking bats an eye. Nobody cares. looks at it. Nobody fucking cares why it belongs there. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even, even if it's so fucking outlandish and ridiculous, it belongs in the environment. It's a Tijuana zebra, man. <laughs> Tijuana zebra, right? So if you can find a way to belong in your environment, by that I mean if somebody's talking to somebody else and they're having a rapport and they're laughing at something, even if they don't say share the same language, you belong there. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form, you already made a connection, so you kind of belong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're wearing something very specific to the environment, that doesn't, isn't gray. I'm not wearing, you know, I want to blend into the concrete behind me. It could be something as ridiculous as a, you know, uh, you know, a very specific sport team, uh, yeah, sport uh, team shirt Jersey that is local. That guy belongs here. You know, I used to have fun with that in Chicago. Yeah. I would wear a Blackhawks hat and, 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 and gear like that during certain times of the year, I would go over there uh, visiting and doing classes. And I would, you know, people would ask me about the game. And I was like, I would learn, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a muscle that I would try to develop every time I traveled, you know, uh, you don't need to belong to look like you belong. Um, and there, there's definitely something to be said about having a good smile, yeah. and great energy, being humble and trying to make friends in places, especially low ones. Um, yeah. something that, uh, for some reason, you know, gets missed a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. people, people always want to go there. I don't want to be seen. I want to be a ninja. I want to be a gray man and you know, blend in the background. It makes yeah. sense for some things. Uh, and I get the, you know, the res- rationale. Uh, but personally, I'm more proactive and I like, to, I like creating players in an environment. I don't like creating scenery. So yeah. if I can teach anybody anything, I would teach them how to play the environment more so than, you know, blend into it. Yeah. No, I dig that. You drop the uh, being humble, having good energy and a smile thing. Yo, I mean, that has been kind of the game I've always played, you know, default respectful when I go into a new environment and um, it's just open doors, respecting the culture, respecting the people, um, not being the tough guy. Yeah, I'm saying Um, playing my position, you know. Those have been the tools that I've used. Now these, man, these social dynamics, these like, other tactics you I mean, you're, you're given are fantastic because I can see how much farther I would have gotten, how much quicker I would have gotten if I had been playing, you know, those different games, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, people, 
it's a lot of there's a lot of tradecraft that people yeah. think is like uh, that tradecraft is uh, I saw something like that in a, a in a movie with the with the CIA being trained and stuff like that. All of that stuff is street life 101 for most of the people that I grew up with. Yeah, and, and I didn't I didn't get I didn't get you know I didn't go to CIA to be trained. I learned from seeing people out there, you know, I always look for the quiet guy and the old guy in the room with a scar over his eye. You know, that, that's the guy you want to, you want to talk to, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and so a friend of mine looked at me once, uh, the guy, he, guy runs an MMA gym mm. in LA and he looked at me and was like, you've been around, right? It's like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You can't fake a broken nose. <laughs> and he pats me on the back. Right. And, uh, you know, those experienced guys out there, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's something that gets lost a lot in, in, in our world, I think. Yeah. Everybody wants to go to the classroom to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the world is a classroom. Just sit down, look, talk, get off your fucking phone. Shut you your know? mouth. Shut <laughs> your mouth. Yeah. The, be brave enough to shut your mouth and listen. Yeah. That, that's, that's bravery right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, be brave enough to say, I don't know. You know? Yeah. To not be uh, the man, you know. <laughs> but you know, but the specifically have the balls to start a fucking conversation with somebody you don't know. Yeah, That's man. One of the things that is missing from the world. Uh, people get freaked out with. Uh, like I, I went to DC uh, for the first time mm-hmm. uh, to, to do a class the last year, I think it was. Yeah. And one of the students there was. Uh, we we went out to lunch after a class. And he looked at me funny because, you know, I got into a conversation with somebody there for, for, you know, for the better part of a, you know, probably 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about the book of Mormon because he was a Mormon Heck yeah! and, and I'm not a Mormon, but I've read the book of Mormon and I know about Mormonism. Solid. Some of my friends are Mormon, right? Yeah. And good conversation, you know, and mm-hmm. I have a friend in the environment now. You know, somebody I could say hi to, you know, some rapport. Yeah. Exactly. And he is from there, right? He, he lives in DC. And if he ducks behind a counter, I need to duck behind a counter. Right? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so yes. You, if you have a rapport with anybody there, specifically somebody that belongs there, mm-hmm. instead of looking around for all these imagined threats, indicators. Yeah. You look at the guy that belongs in the environment when the fucker is staring at somebody weird. That guy's weird. <laughs> yep. You know? That guy's weird. That's a that's a Tijuana zebra. We ain't in Tijuana right now. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the student looked at me like that's pretty that's pretty fucking you know, that's pretty insane, mind blowing. Mm-hmm. You know, where did you learn that? It's like I don't want to get killed. That's you know, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yo. No, that's solid though. That's good stuff, man. I mean, it just, it helps you because then you have so much more bandwidth to dedicate to different tasks, to, to exactly. dedicate to other tasks, you know, and maybe that guy will give you the look when two other dudes are talking about the gringos and the Americanas and all this stuff. Maybe he will give you the look and be like, Hey, you know, maybe you should like get out of here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's one of those things where, you know, and it's in nature, you know, nature is very honest and yeah, a lot of these lessons are out there in nature, you know, uh, when the, when the birds get all quiet in their environment, you know, as a yeah. hunter, mm-hmm. you know, they belong there. They can see shit you can't see. And they and just shut up. And maybe, yeah, maybe even if you could see what they saw, you wouldn't recognize it because you're not from there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, eat that fucking humble pie and just listen and look, watch and learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but again, people people want a 360 vision and you know throw a drone up into the sky and just <laughs> watch everything. Keep the uh, shades on all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, shut one eye, go in and out of a dark room and stuff like that. <laughs> keep that night vision. Got to keep the night vision, bro. You oh yeah, I mean, it's, I'm all about it, man. Um, but, you know, there's a there's definitely something to be said about these soft social skills. And and, and 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 there's something that you it's something you have to really develop, not just in a you know go do one of Ed's urban movement class so you can learn some about some of these things. Uh, I think uh, I'm only reminding you about things you already know. I'm only showing you things you don't want to do because you were afraid to. You know, like starting conversations with strangers, handling mm-hmm. exercises I do with some people. You know, to get them out of their comfort zone. So good. Um, but, uh, you know, I I always tell people, I'm not teaching you anything new. Everything's been done. Everything's repackaged, repurposed, renamed, rebranded. Uh, it's already been done. The the only thing that's different is we're doing it now for a current threat, current situation Yeah. and with current available technologies and current available means. So all we're doing is just making it fit for our time and our place and our moment. Right. Yeah. Your moment could be tomorrow on a train to Paris when some dude pulls out an AK out of a backpack. Yeah. Or it could be some weird dude that knocks on your door, right? At your house. Right. Right to your door. And there's something wrong with honey with his way he's walking. Mm-hmm. Right? It could be anything like that. But you have to, you know, every day. If you don't use it, you're gonna lose it every fucking day. No, that's the truth, man. And it's just re putting emphasis on different tactics. You know, so that we recognize more significance about them, you know, more utility, you know, out of them. Yeah. Uh, software over hardware. 100%. And, you know, when you, when you, when you have to, when, you, when it needs to, when time needs to, where you have to go with the hardware side of things, <laughs> you know, you're, you're way ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, someone said a while back, man, amateurs focus on hardware and professionals upgrade their software. And man, I found that to be so true, uh, just throughout my life. I think the most, the most effect, like the most used things I've learned, I've learned from, you know, my audio books, man, that I've been getting at, you know, for the last few years, to be honest with you. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it. $1 a month. $5 a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's. Hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use? Put it towards a podcast and get involved in our, our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom! I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's Byron Rogers Motivation. Com, and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.